Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLovingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by the fine folks at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. We have quite a few updates concerning the NHL's return to play, as well as Winnipeg's own updates on their um, training camp roster announcements, potential lineups, and all of that fun stuff. So let's get started and dive right in. First off, Winnipeg will officially kick off its resumation of the NHL season starting on August 1st at around 9.30 Central. They will be starting their qualifying play-in round for the Western Conference against the Calgary Flames. Now, the Calgary Flames kind of present an interesting challenge just because, I think for one thing, we've already actually had an opt-out from the CBA in Travis Hamanick. There are a handful of other players who have elected not to play in the postseason, but I, I think Hamanick is probably the most relevant at the moment for the Jets, um, as Hamanick would be uh, in Calgary's top four, I would imagine, either in, as a second-pairing defenseman or on their third pairing um, if he is not in the top four. Travis said that, you know, he, of course, places his family's health first above all, and that, of that you know, that should always be part of the equation for any of these players. They always need to put themselves and their families first, and so I think that that is, uh, you know, a good thing that he's allowed to do this and exercise his right. And curiously, this actually, at least as far as on-ice performance, does, you know, unfortunately help the Flames a little bit. You never like saying that somebody's absence makes a team stronger, but in terms of uh, in terms of skater performance, unfortunately, Hammondick had a pretty rough season. He probably would not look out of place on Winnipeg's defense, which says a lot about where the Jets' blue line is at this stage. So Hammondick's out, which probably means Oliver Shillington will come in. Now, you know, I don't think that it's actually that big of uh, a difference in terms of on-ice impact, even though Hamannick is is pretty pretty bad and rough around the edges, it's not like Shillington is going to be a, a massive improvement in the sense that I don't think he's going to really change the fate of the series. The team that prevails is ultimately going to come down to the existing rosters, um, which we'll get into a little bit later in this episode, especially the Jets roster, because there are going to be some uh, perhaps disappointments, I think, for some of you who are hoping for a more robust and well-rounded Jets lineup than the one that we saw before the hockey season took quite a long hiatus. Uh, as far as the rest of the NHL is concerned, we also have qualifying rounds for um, the Eastern Conference, which will take place along the same schedule. Between August 1st and 9th, there will be about five to six games a day, including uh, games from the round-robin actual playoff bracket, which it does more of like a seeding thing pre-postseason uh, tournament. It also kind of serves as like a, a nice, I guess, fresh up for most of the teams that have been pretty stagnant and are not in the qualifying rounds. Now, the qualifying matchups include New York versus Carolina, the Florida Panthers versus the Islanders, uh, the Montreal Canadiens versus the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Columbus Blue Jackets against the Toronto Maple Leafs in the East. On the West, you've got Arizona versus Nashville, Chicago versus Edmonton, Minnesota versus Vancouver, and Winnipeg versus Calgary. Of these matchups, I really don't think that there are any uh, particular surprises. I would say that in Columbus versus Toronto, I would probably anticipate that uh, Toronto comes out ahead of this one. I just think that the Leafs, as mediocre as they can be, have a lot of firepower, and I'm not 100% sure that Columbus has uh, enough goaltending to be a team that's going to survive that Toronto power play. Carolina-New York seems pretty clearly in Carolina's favor, but I have been wrong about these things before. 
the Rangers would have to pull off a pretty miraculous upset in order to upend the Canes, which I, I just don't really feel like that's going to happen. But again, weird things do occur in these small sample sizes, and maybe Carolina's goaltending and occasionally lackluster finishing sort of hit them pretty hard this series. I doubt it, but it's always a possibility. Panthers, Islanders, I would think the uh, the Islanders are favored in this one, although it's a pretty close split. I don't think that either of these teams are particularly good, but I could see the Isles making a run off of some hot goaltending and maybe some decent uh, top six performances from guys like Barzal and Lee. Montreal Penguins seems pretty clearly in Pittsburgh's favor. I mean, the, the Pens are an extremely strong team, very dangerous, and if they've had time to recover and get healthier, that should make them a very potent threat, especially in this qualifying round. The Habs can be decent, but they did just also have a bunch of COVID uh, tests come back positive. So they may be in some trouble, especially for getting uh, back to training sessions and stuff. On the Western side, we've got Arizona versus Nashville, and I feel like the uh, the Preds are going to end up winning this particular series. I just don't know that the Yotes are good enough to outlast Nashville. Um, of course, this could really come down to a ultimately a goaltending battle between like Ronto or Kemper versus um, Saros and Rene. Both squads are kind of middling in most capacities. I don't think either is a particular offensive juggernaut. So, uh, again, I think it's just going to be a goaltending battle, and I honestly don't know who has the edge here. Probably Arizona, just because I think that uh, Kemper and Ranta can be very good together, and I am less sold on Rene and Saros, although Saros has definitely shown pretty elite potential. Chicago, Edmonton, I really don't care about, but I guess you would put... I think Edmonton in this one. It's a hard one to call just because this series is going to be very chaotic, probably on the higher event side. Uh, both teams are definitely very thin on high-end forwards, and neither has a particularly good defense or goaltending matchup, so I just don't really know who's going to win that one. It's a total toss-up to me. And uh, Vancouver, Minnesota, that's that's a pretty tough one to call. I, I would think that uh, probably Vancouver comes out in this one, although it's going to be really close. It's definitely going to be another goaltending and defensive battle although Vancouver tends to surrender a lot more opportunities, which means Markstrom's going to be extra busy. Maybe give Minnesota the slight edge here. They're, they are on the older side, but they're definitely still dangerous and productive, and they might be able to silence the Vancouver young guns just enough to keep things interesting. If they get to Markstrom early, that would probably make the deciding factor in the series. I think for the most part, these are just going to kind of be odd qualifying series. I don't really know that there are going to be all that many surprises or upsets, but I mean, we did see uh, the, I guess the Columbus Blue Jackets last year completely sweep the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So strange things do happen. I honestly think that generally speaking, I don't know, this whole thing just feels a little bit rushed right now, just with everything that's going on. I know in the past couple of episodes, I thought that the NHL's plan for returning would actually be pretty decent, but... I'm just not 100% convinced with what's happening in some of the other sports leagues around the world. I'll get to those concerns in just a little bit because I think that some of the stuff that's happening with leagues like the uh, MLS in North America really serve as cautionary tales for what happens if you're really not all that prepared for um, the eventuality that you're going to face COVID on a more routine basis. Being prepared for any situation is always a challenge, and the NHL knows this. The average person does too, though, because we often have to work on maintaining our vehicles and ensuring that they're always in operable order so we can go to work, do our chores, handle all of our daily tasks, and get things done while being mobile. Car maintenance is often a hassle, though, especially for us amateur DIYers who don't really know what we're looking for. The number of people who know their vehicles inside and out, including make, year, and model, is probably a pretty small pool. How do you know that you're getting the right parts for your car? And are you paying too much for the same parts you could get elsewhere for much cheaper? For all those questions and more, be sure to head on over to rockauto.com. 
RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to filter for price range on the parts you want to pay, as well as any technical specifications for the type of vehicle, year, make, model, and anything else you need. RockAuto.com stocks everything from engine control modules to floor mats, so whatever you need, they've got it in stock. Better yet, their prices are always competitive, and you might even save 30-50% to 50% off retail in-store prices versus brick-and-mortar stores. If you place an order, be sure to write the words locked on in the How Did We Do box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com. Incredibly, we can now start talking about Winnipeg's playoff odds, especially in a series against the Calgary Flames, which in the past I have mentioned before very briefly. We're starting to get something of a clearer picture, though, as far as the roster is concerned, and I'll take a look at and give you a heads up on what the training camp roster is going to look like. The full camp roster is as follows. In net, we have Eric Comrie, Laurent Brassois, and Connor Hellebuck. On defense, we have Batetto, Pullman, Pionk, Sabisa, Kulikov, Niku, DeMello, Dahlstrom, Morrissey, Nyogier, uh, Stanley, and Beaulieu. At forward, we have 18 with Kopp, Lowry, Gustafson, Eakin, Shore, Letestu, Wheeler, Ehlers, Roslovic, Line, Shaw, Shifley, Bork, Harkins, Cease, Connor, Appleton, and Perot. For the most part, none of this is actually very surprising. I would imagine that uh, Berdine is probably going to be somebody who stays with the Moose for the time being and isn't brought into the training camp just because he is still pretty young and maybe the Jets feel he's not quite ready to, to enter some more um, active scrims and stuff, especially since, at the very least, Comrie has actually played uh, a few more NHL games and whatnot. On defense, it's notable that Heinola is not here and is not with the training camp roster, which I think is not the worst, especially if they're worried about burning another year on his contract. From the start, I think Winnipeg's intention has always been to just ride what they have, which in a lot of cases I don't actually disagree with. I think about where this roster is and where the defense is, and frankly the Jets would just need the sorts of conditions and fortune to get through to a deep round that I just don't really feel is worth burning a year of a, a contract on a young prospect, especially somebody as talented as Heinola. Just kind of roll with what you got, and if you make it through, awesome. If you don't, especially if you're outed in the first round, you have a 12.5% chance at Alexis Lafreniere. I really don't think that you can complain either way, especially when you're sitting with those odds. As far as the forwards are concerned, Veselainen being missing is also a bit notable, but again, I think he's kind of in a similar situation where, uh, as far as like him and Berdine are concerned, the Jets maybe just don't think that they're ready for full-time NHL duty. Maurice is also pretty funny about the kinds of veterans and stuff that he likes to select. So, you know, seeing Eakin, Latestu, uh, Shaw, and Bork, these are all guys that Maurice tends to turn to when things get tough. He always prizes experience and, I guess, grit and hardworking uh, work ethic over, uh, you know, higher-end skill sometimes. I am actually a bit surprised to see David Gustafson on the lineup. I wasn't really sure that we would see him, but he does play a fairly mature game, and I'm sure that his initial NHL sample, while not exactly great, was perhaps enough to make the Jets think that there is more to his game, especially in a more shutdown role. Against the Flames, I feel like this is pretty much a push of a series. I don't really think that there is an advantage for either side. The Jets probably come out on top just because they have goaltending that is enough to, to propel them through, especially if Hellebuck hasn't lost a step. Generally speaking, I think the Flames are kind of in a similar boat as the Jets in that both teams are fairly mediocre and their roster lineups are, are not exactly ideal. I would say that the Jets maybe have more higher-end scoring talent, and the Flames are... Uh, I mean, they have okay depth. I wouldn't say that their top six is particularly 
um, outstanding in any respect. I think it's average. It's it's decent. It's just not the kind of team that really frightens me. I forget who is in net for them. I, I know it's Riddick and somebody else. Is it? Um, might be Cam Talbot. I forget now. Pretty sure it is Talbot after the Smith swap. But you know, e- either of the goaltenders, I don't really think are all that impressive. I think that the Jets um, definitely have a weaker defense, so that that would be a you know potentially serious downgrade and a mismatch, especially against uh, some of Calgary's faster forwards. The problem for the Flames is that they're lacking a lot of really high-end goal scorers. Like, I like Elias Lindholm, and I think Johnny Goudreau's great, uh, but beyond that, there aren't that many players that I look at that roster and think, yeah, that's obviously a mismatch. I think that the Jets, generally speaking, have a better, deeper, and more, uh, I guess, a higher ceiling forward unit. The Jets are also just going to have a naturally better power play, even if Line A is still not quite in the exact spot that the team, frankly, needs to put him in. As far as X-Factors for this series are concerned, I think a couple of things are going to stand out. The first is kind of, you know, whether or not Josh Morrissey's health has recovered to a significant enough point where he's actually closer to the top-end defenseman he used to be. He definitely did not look right for most of the season, and now that he's had a few months off, maybe he's going to be in better straits. Question number two is whether or not Cody Eakin can actually play a functional top-six game, which I think we all know the answer is probably no. But he's probably going to be asked to be that second-line center, so I don't really think we have much of a choice at this point except just to ride it and see what happens. Door number three, is Connor Hellebuck still the Vezina candidate and uh, Vezina favorite, really? And can he do that again during this playoff run? And my answer is going to be yes, probably. I think that Hellebuck has all of the hallmarks of somebody who could go on a huge hot streak in the playoffs and really get this Jets farther than they possibly could have imagined, especially with his defense. The final door is this Jets defense. Are they going to be functional enough to get the Jets through at least a play-in round or even a further deeper round after the initial uh, the seeding is, I guess, completed and whatnot? I saw a hypothetical top six lineup of uh, Morrissey and DeMello, and then I think uh, Kulikov, Pionk, and then Bolyu, Pullman, which all told is actually not nearly as bad as you could possibly imagine. Don't get me wrong, that is not a particularly good defensive unit, but it is slightly better than what they had before, and it keeps Lucas Abisa off the ice, which I think is the biggest benefit. Potato as your spare D-man, I think certainly works out, and that's a pretty okay arrangement to have him as, you know, your 6 or 7 D. Pullman and Bolu could probably hold their own, but of course you'll probably want to limit that pairing's minutes and keep it mostly to like Morrissey, DeMello, and Kulikov, Pionk. I think Kulikov, Pionk would actually be pretty decent. Other than that, the most important X factor is going to be uh, the goaltending, and I think in this case the Jets probably have the edge. Looking ahead, one of the concerns that I did have was that this league might not actually make it to the bubble phase intact, and I think that that is starting to become a bigger reality as we're seeing some of the other pro sports leagues really struggle with keeping guys healthy and keeping them safe. We've had a few players opt out, and I know that the Montreal Canadiens wanted to wait about a week or so before they decided on whether or not Max Domi should be permitted to attend training camp. And I think, of course, because Domi is a a diabetic and has pre-existing conditions, he has a unique vulnerability. And we also just found out that a bunch of players for uh, for the Canadians have actually tested positive. Unfortunately, the NHL isn't the only league that seems to be having issues with COVID, and we are already seeing stuff with the MLB and, most recently, the MLS. Today, actually, between the DC United team and someone else, they were supposed to have a match. I think it was against Toronto. And they actually, two minutes before, had to postpone the match because... Uh, There were two unconfirmed cases of COVID with test results that weren't 100% uh, verifiable either way. We've also had, I think, two teams like FC Dallas and one other squad have to drop out uh, because they had a number of players and staff test positive. And here you can kind of see 
the issue with uh, leagues that didn't really plan and account for these sorts of issues and kind of force things along is that they immediately have to restructure their playoff tournament and perhaps eventually cancel it. Part of me still thinks that this should be a concern for the NHL. I mean, obviously we're sitting in a timeline where I, I think the Jets and other NHL teams are going to do their best to keep guys safe, but on the whole, and I think at the highest levels, there's not a whole lot that the NHL can do to fully prevent COVID from spreading. You know, it's going to come down to individual behaviors and decision-making, and I think that we, generally speaking, know pro athletes don't always make good calls. Let's just say that we do get through this, though, and for the sake of argumentation, the Jets are fully healthy when it comes to the postseason picture. I think that, that, of course, that is the biggest takeaway, but I know that the Jets are already kind of down some guys, and I think the first one that's going to stand out for Winnipeg is Brian Little. None of the guys are obviously infected with COVID, but Little has been out for months now with a significant uh, brain injury after he took a puck off the side of his head. I gotta be honest, the longer this goes on and the less word there is, I really think that he's basically just done hockey in general. I don't think that he's coming back this season, and I don't think that he's coming back to Winnipeg as a Jet uh, ever again, really. It just, it, it seems like his recovery process hasn't really gone as well as it could have, and I, I'm kind of worried for his personal health. I, I mean, this has been a long time of recovery, and obviously these things do take time, and the schedule is always a little bit fickle, but... I'm kind of concerned that there hasn't really been any word on this condition beyond the fact that there was a setback uh, several months ago. I think going forward, Brian Little's just not going to be in the picture, either for this playoff run or for any future seasons with the Jets. Winnipeg already lost Bufflin, so Little is going to be a significant loss. I mean, obviously, at this stage of his career, he has aged notably, and he's not as good as he used to be, but he's still an important player and a forward for this team, and so... The Jets' defense and forward unit have both taken significant hits over the past season. By the time they get into this playoff run, it's just going to be a little bit thin. So, you know, I'm not really expecting a whole lot from this particular playoff play-in round or for the subsequent rounds if the Jets make it through. My main interpretation of this season is anything the Jets actually accomplish is pretty much gravy for a season where I had already kind of written it off for the most part. I thought if the Jets were capable of playing competent hockey, which... Right before the break, they actually were getting close to break-even in expected goals ratios. Still not quite there yet, so I, I think that the I, I think that the playoff push is just going to be something where I accept whatever happens. I do have a couple of preferred scenarios. If they're not going to make it through, then I prefer that they lose in the play-in round because, you know, obviously a 12.5% chance at a lotto pick, especially the first overall pick, that's just too good to pass up. And I think that Jets management, quietly at least, would be okay with an exit against Calgary. The other reason that I would be okay with the Jets not being around in the postseason long is because, to be honest, I just want the guys to be safe. I really feel like trying to play during a COVID-19 crisis is kind of nuts, uh, and I know that the league def definitely needs money and TV revenue, but I just I don't really feel like this whole process is going to end as well as we'd hoped. So the less time the Jets are exposed to this stuff, the more time that they stay healthy, the happier and more comfortable I am. What they do off the ice, of course, is their call, and obviously some guys are probably going to make decisions that put them at higher risk versus just not doing it or, or maybe even still playing. But I think on the whole, whatever keeps these guys safest and keeps them away from infections, that's the option that I want to take. And if it happens to come with 12.5% chance at Alexis Lafreniere, I will totally be down with that. The other side of me also says that the Jets do, in some part, deserve a playoff run, and mostly because Connor Hellebuck really busted his tailpipe and kept this team active and afloat 
while the Jets forwards did enough to pull it together and keep the Jets within striking distance of a postseason spot. So, you know, they do certainly deserve a chance to make a little more noise than they already have, and maybe they actually have a deep run. The Magic Caps team that won a couple of seasons ago was the worst iteration of the Caps we'd seen in four to five, maybe even six years. It's certainly an option that the Jets have that they maybe go further than they expect, and perhaps somehow through the most miraculous of outcomes, pull off an upset and a cup win. Considering the odds are significantly stacked against that particular outcome, I think I'm most expecting the Jets to lose in the first couple of rounds, if not the play-in round. I've made my peace with it either way, so here's hoping. Go Jets go. We'll see what happens. Hockey's coming back soon. Thanks so much for listening. Before you log off, check out our Locked On NHL National Podcast with Sarah Avampado. Thanks so much. Have a great night and go Jets go.